The growth of Asia from 1950 until today is well documented, with 60% of the world's population spread through its vast 49 nations. It's also the largest trading bloc in the world, with more than $25 trillion worth of trade exchanging hands in 2019. Its management of the COVID crisis also means that it's likely to recover faster. It's recovery driven by the vaccine rollout. The Capital Group is an important investment actor in the region. We were delighted to have the opportunity to ask a key member of their team on their views on Asia. And now it's over to Julie Dixon, Investment Director from Capital Group. Uh, Now, Julie, over the years, from an investment perspective, much has been said about China, Southeast Asia and the Middle East. From your perspective, what really is the case for investing in Asia? Well, thank you. It's great to be here. You know, Asia is a region that is very exciting, and it's as, as exciting now as has ever been before. If you look at the Asia economy and its contribution to growth, for example, even its share to global GDP, 30 years ago, even 40 years ago, it was about 10% of the global economy. Today, it's over 35% of the global economy. So it's a massive growth, and it's the fastest growth region even today in the world. And the market went from having just over 800 listed companies in in the 1980s to now having over 16,000 listed company in Asia x Japan. Finally, if you look at how the sectors have really evolved in Asia, you know, 30 20 years ago, for example, you would have had just a, lot, a number of imitators, whether it's in technology through low assembly components, whether it's in healthcare through generic pharmaceuticals or communications through just your typical mobile phone to now looking at them, they're now innovators going to high-end precision technology or semiconductors or going into the internet of things and these massive both local and global platforms or even biotech and proprietary research and development in healthcare. So there's a really rich opportunity set today that continues to grow. Now, although previous performance is no guarantee of future returns, what's been your history and the history of the capital group? Uh, when you look back at your investments, w- would you say that everything went to plan? I'm not sure if you can say that everything ever goes to plan over a long period of time, but we have been in the region for almost 35 years now, having opened our very first office in Asia in Hong Kong back in 1983. We have since opened offices in Singapore, in Mumbai, and more recently in Shanghai after having been in Beijing for almost 10 years. So this is an area we know well. And actually, what's been interesting about having local presence as well as our global presence in investing is that we can make direct comparisons in companies, both locally and globally. So we're looking at local companies responding to local demand, local companies playing in the global markets, for example, in automotive or biotechnology. And then we have global companies who are responding to local demand who are also becoming very uh, very attractive, but also are very successful in those regions. And it's that combination of that local and global research that enables us uh, to find the really interesting opportunities over the long run. We understand that the fundamentals make Asia look attractive, but what about right now? What are the factors present right now that could influence performance? Well, that's a really great question. And again, like everything that evolves over periods of time, there's a lot of things to consider. The most important thing for us, first of all, is valuation and how do you value a business? And when you're looking at how Asia has really changed over the last 20 or 30 years, you have to be able to make both local and global comparisons to really get to the root of what these companies can do. 
it's also really important to do a considerable amount of research to really understand whether those businesses are able to deliver what it says on the page, what it says on paper. Uh, and finally, regulations, uh, transparency, good quality management, as well as market sentiment, consumer behavior, and consumer trends can all impact the way a company progresses or succeeds or is valued in the market. And certainly, there's companies that are very attractive in the Asian market, but there are also companies that are justifiably more expensive because they just have that better growth premium. Big sudden changes in sentiment or changes in, you know, the context of the structure of the market, or even what we saw in the pandemic the last 12 months, will have obviously had an impact in the short term. But we believe that if you're able to find those companies that have a sustainable long-term investment opportunity, those are the ones that you hang on to. So, Julie, you've given us an excellent overview of some of the opportunities that Asia holds. But what about how for the typical man in the street, or I should say woman in the street nowadays, of course, um, how can you really gain access to such potential in Asia? Well, that's a really great question. If there's anything that the last 35 years have taught us about investing in Asia is that there's definitely more than one way to get access to it. And there's also more than one approach. Unlike a typical approach where there's just one way to invest in companies, we actually invest using a multi-manager system. Why? Because if you look at the markets today, the markets are far from homogeneous. You have a very large market in China. You have a very domestic market in Korea. You have a very populous nation in Indonesia, which after India and China, and which are very served by very different sectors, very different industries. And not all of those are necessarily listed in the market. So different countries and different markets offer different opportunities. It's impossible to be the best at everything all of the time. So rather than have one decision-making approach, we have a multi-manager approach called the capital system. And so what we do is we have multiple portfolio managers making investment decisions in the portfolio. They're each responsible for their own proportion of that fund, and they make their own investment decisions according to their views on value or growth or risk or the market cap size that they want, uh, whether they're looking for income, uh, and then they invest with conviction. And it's that aggregation across those portfolio managers that gives us the diversification, but still, for example, a concentrated high conviction portfolio. We also have a research portfolio that is managed by our analysts. And that's really important because it is the research portfolio that gives us those new ideas, that actually gives us an indication of where the conviction of our analysts actually lie in the marketplace. So the portfolio managers will have a lot of dialogue with the analysts to either invest alongside them in those companies or watch them for a period of years until they believe those companies can be added to their own individual portfolios. So you get a combination of really large established businesses, global businesses in some cases, based in Asia, but also those new ideas, those smaller businesses that could grow for the next five to 10 or 20 years. Thank you very much. That was Julie Dixon, Investment Director from The Capital Group. Julie, thank you. Thank you. Tune in next month for a new episode of the podcast with The Capital Group, Investing for the Long Term. This communication is of a general nature and not intended to provide investment advice or to be a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Statements attributed to an individual represent the opinions of that individual and may not necessarily reflect the view of the Capital Group or its affiliates.